This is Beyond the Couch with Bridges, a podcast at the intersection of Asian Pacific Islander, South Asian American identity and mental health. I'm Christy. I'm Sam. And I'm Diana. We are three therapists who got together in the hopes of demystifying therapy and uplifting stories from our community. Each week, we'll connect with fellow therapists, experts, and community members about life, identity, and healing. We're so glad you're joining us today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Couch. I'm Sam, and today I'm joined by our wonderful guest, Anjali Menon. Welcome, Anjali, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Sam. Happy to be here. So Anjali, I know that we had talked previously about our focus for today, and you do a lot of work with couples. I know couples around transition points, and we had talked about exploring the ways in which you integrate dream work and internal family systems into your work with them. So I think that that'll be really interesting to dive into. But before we get there, I wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your therapeutic practice? Sure. I work largely with couples, some individuals. When I say couples, like I mean romantic couples, but also friend duos. Um, mm-hmm. So basically like any dyad. I focus on the the dyadic piece because I just love working with more than one person at the same time. I think it just gives so much more material and it's a lot more exciting. And yeah, I try to incorporate a lot of internal family systems. I'm largely psychodynamic. So a lot of like early childhood experiences with adults and I largely work like I just prefer to work with queer people. Awesome. Thanks so much, Anjali. You know, when you had mentioned this to me as a topic on our initial call, I had been so intrigued because it sounds like such a cool kind of integrative approach to working with couples. I am much more familiar with, you know, approaches kind of based in EFT or Gottman. So I was really curious mm-hmm. to hear about the ways in which you integrate dream work and internal family systems into your couple's work. So so maybe before we get there, for folks who may not be aware or maybe familiar with these terms, why don't you offer a little bit of an explanation about dream work and how that oftentimes can come into someone's therapeutic work in the room? Mm, yeah, I mean, I love dream work because it's really the subconscious trying to teach us something. And sometimes that's just like spontaneously, you know, we've all had a dream that somehow applies to our lives, even if it seems really bizarre. And then there are other times what I try to do with clients often is I actually try to get them to just like have a more intimate relationship with their dream life. Um, And so that might look like asking their dream or their subconscious a question before they go to bed. That might just look like dream journaling in the morning and trying to identify literally any kind of symbols, any kind of whoever's showing up in your dream. What are the colors? What are, what do you remember? And something that I try to kind of incorporate is that every part of the dream is telling us something and we are every part of the dream. Yeah. So that's kind of like my approach to dream work. I don't have a particular kind of like, you know, framework around it other than let's talk about it. Let's get into it. And even if you don't remember, it's, it's less about telling the story and the narrative of what happened. It's more about like any kind of imagery and symbols Mm -hmm. that someone might remember that is trying to communicate something to us. Yeah, that is so interesting. And I really am intrigued again by this, this concept of like, you are every part of the dream, which is so true, because these are images, experiences that are all 
coming from our own brain and sort of existing in our own mind that even when we may sort of be in this like maybe kind of protagonist role in a dream and maybe you're feeling pursued or chased by something scary that in some ways that's also a part of you or something that your mind is manifesting and bringing to the surface yes exactly people even if we are in it as ourselves we're also the other people we're also the other animals and the other feelings and whatever else is coming up well, so speaking a little bit about these parts and sort of the multiple parts that we can take on in our lives, I'm also curious for you to explain a little bit, maybe for our listeners who are unfamiliar about internal family systems and the way that that can sometimes come into people's work therapeutically as well. Yeah, I love IFS. Um, and I think in its like more traditional application, it, there's theories around, I think, how it was generated, which is like, well, the name says it, internal family systems. So family roles, family relationships, how we take that on and then sort of subcategorize those in our own parts. But basically how I approach that in my work with clients is, is essentially we all have different parts. We're not just ourselves; we are ourselves. And sometimes certain parts take the forefront. Sometimes certain parts are like more in the backseat mm -hmm. um, and that's fine. Um, but it's about bringing awareness to like, what are our different parts and how do we just get them to be able to talk to one another? And I, I, kind of literally speak about it in that way with clients like who's who's coming forward right now sometimes it's helpful to name those parts too mm -hmm. try to listen to them and and hear what they're calling out to you and so that's just generally how I approach it like which part of you is coming forth right now um and there are this is also the name of a book but um there really are no bad parts and all of our parts exist for a reason and I think yeah it's just helpful a lot of times people feel like there's this fragmented sense of conflict within them when really it's like, okay, those are just different parts and they're just maybe not in agreement right now, but we can get to a place of more harmony. Yeah. I really appreciate that perspective. And, you know, I don't practice with a ton of IFS, but so much of that, I can see the ways in which that's so applicable to a lot of the stories that I'll hear my clients share. Like I have some clients who might refer to a part of themselves or a version of themselves that shows up in a certain way that is like their bad version versus mm. the good version, like the version that I feel that I want to be. And how do we actually work towards integration and recognizing that those are both parts of you and that they're not inherently good or bad, but they're trying to get something. They're trying to get their needs met. You know, Anjali, I wonder if you could maybe provide an example of parts or how that may have come up and work with a client before to sort of help maybe solidify the understanding for some of our listeners. Mm, yeah, I'm thinking in particular, having folks name their parts and something that's helpful for me to bring in some somatic awareness to that is literally talking about like, if your body is a house, like a big, nice house where do those parts live? Hmm. So sometimes people will say like, some of my parts, they live down in my feet. Some other people will say, well, some of them live in my head. Some of them live in my chest, or they're all kind of hanging out here, or they all kind of wander. Um, so trying to bring awareness to the body. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, a lot of times, well, a lot of times in therapy, clients are coming forth with like conflicts, right? So like, I want to do this, but I'm doing this, or like, I feel this, but I'm perpetuating this pattern. And so when like, I'm thinking of a client who when when they find themselves in a negative pattern that they have perpetuated, there's a lot of guilt, there's a lot of shame around like, why am I doing this? Why do I keep going back to this? What's wrong with me? Because there's this sense that like, we are only one part 
but really there's there's a push and pull there are there are certain parts of you that still want to stay in whatever behavior this is because it has been comforting to them or they've been told that they needed to be that way even if they've now kind of outgrown that there are parts of you that still want to perpetuate that you know the negative relationship cycle or behaviors that are keeping you feeling stuck and in just like negative patterns basically it's giving the microphone to different parts and sometimes we're not aware of which part has like taken the microphone and yanked it out, but it's about collaborating with all the parts and making sure everyone sort of has their voice heard and then they can make a decision together in harmony rather than feeling kind of fragmented in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, so actually now I'm curious, cause I think that's a great sort of base level understanding for how both of these interventions or approaches can come into the room. So, so tell me a little bit about how you integrate these approaches in couples therapy, because I think that we hear about it perhaps a bit more in individual and the way that dreams can kind of come up in an individual session. Tell me a little bit more about your work, implementing this in your work with couples. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it depends on the couple, but you know, couples can share a lot. And then also there are plenty of things that we may not share with our partners or our best friends or whoever, even if we're waking up right next to them. And so I love, you know, asking one person like, hey, what have your dreams been like recently? Or like shedding light to that and and then them sharing that not only with me, but with their partner. Mm-hmm. Something that I am also always really interested in is it's not even like, it's not even the dream itself but it's, it's what you remember. Like we could have the same exact, well, we wouldn't, but if we were to have the exact same dream, you would remember different things than I would, or like different things would stand out to you. Um, and so part of it is just sharing that, watching people share that with their partners, then asking the, uh, the other partner, like, what is it like to hear your partner share this dream? Or sometimes partners will be like, oh, you told me this dream this morning, but now you're sharing a different part of it. Like this is a new a new angle that maybe you've just remembered or you didn't share earlier. Um, and so really just getting them to like connect in that way and mm-hmm. increase their understanding of each other. And with parts work, I kind of treat it as like, we we all have our parts. And if if it's me and you, it's important to bring awareness to like, okay, if we're in an argument or something and we're trying to work through a certain conflict that we keep having or some kind of negative cycle that we keep perpetuating in our relationship, when you say X, Y, Z, this is the part that gets triggered in me. And then when I say this, this is the part that's speaking, for example. Um, And then that allows us to bring awareness to the fact that like when when two people speak to each other, their parts are speaking to each other. And... Sometimes certain parts are really loud and then some other parts are are forced to be really quiet. And it's about like, especially the the inner child voice, the inner child part. Another thing I like to remind any clients of is that all of your parts are listening, even if you're not mm-hmm. listening to them, like they're always there. Um, and so when we, especially the the more vulnerable, more soft kind of child parts of us, they're always listening. And so when we when we say things or when we get into patterns that harm them, we think we're not around them anymore, but they totally are. And so it's just about allowing people to see each other in their entirety, mm-hmm. um, especially in moments of high conflict. Yeah, I really can see the ways in which that approach lends itself so well to couples work. I'm even thinking about, I don't work a ton with couples. I, you know, I find it so 
fascinating. And yet, you know, it's not necessarily my main focus of expertise because I find it very exhausting. I know many of my uh, colleagues who do a lot of couples work find it energizing and exciting because the sessions can be so dynamic. But when I think about even just my work with individual clients who might recount conflict that they've had with partners or people in their life, I do think that the place that they often go to in our processing or realize is that when they're triggered or there's high conflict or there's that heightened sense that they go back to the part of themselves that is sort of this wounded or traumatized child, like a younger version of themselves, that I can see the ways in which in couples work, if we can sort of name those parts, who am I when I'm poking at you? Who am I when I'm receiving that poke? How do I feel? How that can be so generative to the process and really understanding how do we start to communicate with each other differently? Yeah, I like how you put that. And it's it's also when we are able to give voice to that sort of wounded child part of ourselves, you can't help but soften when you hear mm-hmm. that. You can't help but feel more connected. And yeah, so exactly what you said. I think it can be really helpful for people to, to start seeing each other in like multiple ways. Mm-hmm. And I imagine it's perhaps similar even with the dream work too around the softening. I know that you'd mentioned that there are parts of ourselves that feel very... Um, individual and that we don't always share with our partners. I think about sometimes when I have a really weird dream and, you know, my partner is like a sensitive, empathic person. So he'll listen and he'll nod along, but I maybe have a feeling of, oh, he wouldn't be super interested in hearing this. It sounds like when you bring it into the room that it can be sort of an opportunity to bond or share something that we wouldn't necessarily share or even notice what sounds different. It sounds like, like you shared this part with me this morning, but now you're sharing this part in session. Yeah, I think we all have different relationships with our dreams and some, some people, we all dream, but some people say they don't remember, which is totally true. But like, I think like I dream a lot, but, and now that I'm sort of working on that more with clients, I'm more aware of my dreams. I'm thinking more about my dreams, but over the years I might, a dream is just a dream. Like I may not give that much attention to it. And so allowing it to like live and breathe is really special. Well, so Angelia, I'm curious then to hear a little bit more about whether it's like walking us through an example or thinking about kind of an interesting experience, how some of these things have manifested or shown up in your work over the years. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about, especially with parts work, this is, I do this both with individuals and couples. Something I really like to do is exercises that help people communicate with their various parts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, for example, a lot of times, a lot of times some of our parts are like really loud in front and center, and then some of our other parts might be kind of in the background. Um, And maybe that's for a purpose, or maybe we don't want it to be that way and we want to change that, but it's really, really hard to like, to know how to let that part take center stage when we don't really know that part Mm -hmm. and so something I really like to do is and this can almost be kind of spiritual which is what I love about it but I love having people like write dialogues between different parts of themselves and sometimes that can also be writing dialogues between a part of themselves and like a body part Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of times specifically with people who have experienced sexual trauma but any type of like trauma that lives in the body, which is all of it. Um, But especially if it's like localized, writing a letter to that part of your body and and allowing yourself to embody like a conversation where they're speaking back to you 
um, and they are talking to you and you're able to engage in that dialogue. And sometimes people feel awkward about that. They're like, I don't know, like how I can't access that. And I'm literally just like, just make it up, like make it up and see what comes up. You know more than you think, but when we are caught up in like trying to be accurate, it can be really hard. So literally be creative, make it up and we'll see what comes up. And usually it's pretty accurate. So I like that. And then when I incorporate that in couples work, well, firstly, I like to just have people do that and then have them share with their partners, um, like individually and then share. But also it can be really, really beautiful when, for example, let's say, you know, two people in a partnership the the parts that are going at it with each other are the really wounded parts and for someone to write a letter I I say writing because I I like writing but a lot of people like to sing songs or create art or you know whatever their method is create something or offer something to their partner's wounded part or protector part or Mm -hmm. whatever part that needs to be addressed I think it can be really special for someone to hear that from their partner because usually we're like looking at someone and talking to them as though we and we're not seeing their entirety and so Mm -hmm. it can feel people can feel really seen when when their partner or loved one or whatever writes writes something or creates something for a part of them yeah I can imagine how tender that experience could really feel especially when I'm thinking of you know, if we were to kind of go down this line of perhaps the part that I experience when we fight is a part that I experience in a way that feels like negative or scary, or we're fighting and I have my own feelings about it. How does it invite me to relate to that part differently? If I were to like write a letter to your wounded child, which is the part of you that comes out when we're fighting and how mm-hmm. that could really shift the dynamic. I, I can imagine how powerful that would feel in the room for a couple. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I love doing that. You know, another thought that I had as you were speaking, Anjali, there were so many things in this that were so interesting. I'm like, oh, I want to dig in and, and talk about that more. But, you know, I just really appreciate this sort of more, it sounds like spiritual approach that you take in your couple's work and, and sort of the ways in which the unconscious comes in, the ways in which we are inviting our you know partner to commune with these different parts of ourself or parts of our body, where I feel that And this isn't a knock on any other approach to couples therapy, but you know, when you think about like Gottman and EFT, there are sort of stages. It's a lot more sort of like about the, um, trying to think of what the right word is. When I think about something like EFT, it's about like that EFT cycle of the pursuer and the withdrawer. And how do we Mm -hmm. understand attachment and break that down to sort of shift the behavior. But it sounds like a lot of your work does feed into that sort of subconscious spiritual work that people may want. And I can imagine couples wanting that at times, if that's the kind of work that they're wanting to do. Yeah, definitely. I do. I will say that some of the couples I see are, they may be at a transition point, but they're not in like a really high conflict. Should we stay together? Should we break up? What's going to happen? Existential kind of moment, Um, which means that often they're there's just like a little bit more space to be a little bit more ambiguous, a little bit more creative. Whereas I think understandably when couples come in in really sort of high tension moments, that element can kind of be cast aside a little bit because they're like, we just have this big issue. Like we have to resolve this. We have to figure something out. But I do still like to offer that as a spiritual component because relationships are spiritual. Relationships transcend. And so 
that's just kind of how my brain works. And I really, yeah, it's something I, I want to do even more of. And I think I, I'm less about the like concrete stages. I get what I need out of Gottman. I get what mm-hmm. I need out of EFT. I like both of those. But yeah, it's really just about like blending all of those together. Well, Sanjay, I'm wondering for anyone who maybe is listening today and feels that they want to learn more or interested in this approach, I wonder what you might share that would indicate to a client or a couple that this could work for them or what you may look for in a prospective person who's wanting to take this approach in their work. It sounds like you said for maybe folks who are in less of a high conflict stage, I'm wondering if there's any other things that you typically look for. Like what I look for as a clinician or what a client might look for in a provider. I guess either one, whichever, whichever way you want to take it. Mm, So for me, a big, what's the word, like not filter, but I work a lot in metaphor. Um, Metaphor is incredibly just so helpful for me. um, And that's just how my brain processes things. And so I will share that as a clinician, like on my, whatever, on my bios online and then in consultations and stuff that I work with, like icons and symbols and imagery and metaphor that we can use as part of our healing process. And so I I share that with people. And I would say that's if you're someone that feels called to that or you feel so I I see therapy as poetic. I really mm-hmm. see it as super creative. I see the craft of being a therapist as in some ways being a poet um, and being able to craft language in that way. And oh, so I love that. And I know I've been always called to that. And so if you're someone who feels called to that, if you're someone who feels like you live in that space, then, you know, share that with whoever you're looking to see and also perhaps look for folks who are like open about sort of creative approaches and being almost multimedia kind of. Mm -hmm. So, and that can look any type of way. Like I have a client who I give them homework that is to create playlists from different parts of themselves. So I think recently I asked them like create a playlist that like 13 year old you would have created and loved. Mm -hmm. So that even that is like an element of creativity. Um, And so you can ask for that as a client, if that's something you feel called to, and that's something you like to do, then, you know, ask for it. Amazing. And and I'm wondering for some of our listeners who are actually also practicing therapists, if they want to learn more about these approaches, I wonder if you have any resources, any things that have been particularly helpful for you as you've started to integrate this into your work. Yeah, I mean, I would say largely on a more theoretical level, I definitely ground myself in like Winnicott and just kind of like early attachment stuff, object relations, more psychoanalytical, even if that's not how you approach your work. I think there are a lot of frameworks that are very helpful, especially around early attachment. Um, And in terms of dream work, I mean, I would look up stuff about like dream incubation and dream ceremonies and dream symbols, just how, how to play with that. But also largely, I would say develop your own relationship with your parts and your dreams. I think that'll give you a lot of content. Like I often, if if clients share like, oh, I had this dream that was this. I'm like, oh my God, one time I had a dream that was like this. And this is what I took from it. And so develop your own relationship with your dreams and your parts to the extent that you can. And I think that'll bring a lot. Mm, that's so important. It's like the age old, you can't take someone somewhere you haven't been yourself. Like we got to yeah. do that work too, if we want to see our clients through it. Totally. 
Well, so Anjali, this was so, so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. So before we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity to share with all of our listeners where they can find you, if they potentially want to work with you or just learn more about you and your practice. Yeah, definitely. Um, You can Google my name, Anjali Menon, um, LMSW. I'm on Manhattan Alternative, Psych Today. You can also email me if you just like generally want to chat. Um, Even if you're not looking to work with me, you just want to connect. I'm really, I love that. I'm open to that. And I am in private practice and I am at a group practice. And so it, I do have some community, but I still miss feeling like I have colleagues and coworkers like on a day to day. So really happy to, um, yeah, just chat and get to know people. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Anjali, for joining us. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us as well in this very fascinating conversation. Um, And we will speak to you guys all next time. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Couch. Tune in every Wednesday, rate or review us to help grow our community and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.